got with me today, Dang Duong. You want to formally introduce yourself to people? This is episode 11 of Talks with Tiger. What's up, everybody? So this is Dang here. I'm with Tiger. I'm so thankful that I'm here and I'm ready to get this podcast going. Yeah. So as a little uh, meta background, we actually just recorded two podcasts with video, but I'm going to put them out um, four months from now and then the other one another four months from now because Dang is just about to head to Kazakhstan for nine months, is it? Or a whole year? Ten months. Ten months. Yeah. So he won't be back for a year and then I'll have him on the podcast again then. But I want to kind of be able to put out content from him as if he was here. So if you're listening around podcast episode 40 or 50 and it sounds like, hey, we already had this conversation or this like in a weird order, it's because I'm putting them out in reverse order. But today we're going to kind of give just talk about who he is, what he's been doing, how he grew up and a lot of that personal stuff, man. So to dive right into it, you grew up with a single mother and... How does that uh, affect your relationship, seeing like father figures, mentors, um, older guys? Yeah, so it's it's tough. Um, when you're raised by a single mother, you, you at that age, you become more mature. Like you have this mindset that you have to grow up, uh, which I don't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that phrase, um, just growing up because, you know, kids should live like kids, like have the fun, the, the joy, and just play around. But at an early age, yeah, my father passed away when I was nine. So Did you know him before then? So I've, I've seen him sporadically. Not He wasn't like there that I could remember or recall. Um, but he did his best to really, you know, provide and take care of us. And, you know, I've, I've come a lot. I've had a lot more closure now to forgive him for not being there. And, and I think it's important that you should seek for forgiveness because it takes the heart anger and anguish from yourself it just takes that away and it relieves you like it just releases you from that kind of burden that anger and anguish you were angry when you were nine or ten uh yeah i mean when you're a kid you don't have the cognitive abilities to like comprehend this complex kind of situation yeah and as you grow older and you just say man why 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 did my father wasn't there why is he need there you know why did he leave us to be here just to both of us um but of course i had only this narrow scope this um yeah this only small kind of depiction so i think it's important to see the bigger picture like my father you know he was all over the world teaching seminars and um, he was impacting people just like how I want to impact people in the future and change people's lives for the better So you seem to grow up You seem to have a really good sense of masculinity and kind of sense of image and stuff. So I'm curious what helped mold that then um, so Growing up with uh, you know female role model my mom as a single mother. I get to see from you know, childhood and interacting with my mom all the time that I get to see the female's perspective. Mostly I didn't grow up with, you know, a father figure. So I, you know, learn how to shave my face for the first time. Like, how do you shave? I don't even know how just like trial and error. And just, you know, I was just kind of, my father would be, if I would like to say curiosity, just going out there and seeing and interacting with the world and the world being my father. Um, and, you know, I've learned a lot from this um, curiosity journey because it has led me to who I am as of today, to be a travel bug, to a person who, you know, seeks out for diversity, who seeks out 
to give value. And as you reflect more and more when you are a kid, see how much it really resonates you uh, when you're older. So, you know, why do I love videography and photography? My mom, at an early age, she loved as a hobby and it was like her curiosity. Uh, why do I like to, you know, test my limits of my physical capabilities? My mom was a sports. She loved sports. She loved interacting and she was built for sports. She played ping pong, cross country, you name it. She was just enjoying that. So a lot of my things, and I'm just retracing my steps and seeing where it comes from. It's so fascinating how your life starts to develop and understanding by who you are and why you're facing this dire direction. So it comes back into intuition and intuition comes back from the experience that you've built throughout your years. That's a whole lot, man. What's yeah. the, uh, as a travel bug, what's the, the yeah. favorite place you've gone to? Favorite place. So definitely in terms of culture, food, um, and the people is definitely India. Wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, it was a Did great you go to a remote place or like a pretty yeah, crowded it was, place. It was really out there. It's, <laughs> it, it was a village called lonely Loni, which is L O N I. And it's in the state of Maharashtra and right there. It's, it's so I love peacefulness and this, you find this peacefulness through the people. Like you just get a sense that people got good vibes, right? They have good intentions. They really want what's best for you. And I'm a stranger, I'm a guest and they treat me, you know, welcoming. And I remember one of my, I just started to talk with him and understanding who he was. He said, I have a brother in Oregon. Like I was like, what? Wow. It was actually, so brother in their sense is all encompassing. So oh, okay. brother as in stepbrothers, cousins, everything. So her wife's brother, so it's actual blood brother is in Oregon. And I mean, I've, I've met him too. So we built this connection. He said, hey, dang, come over. We'll, we'll um, give you dinner. So I got to come to his house. You know, I got this delicious meal. Like, I just met this dude one day. We just resonated. He just said, hey, come over. Let's have a feast. Uh, one of my good buy, buys in Hindi is brother. So I, I don't call him my friend. but call him my buy because we. I've known him since the very beginning of my internship, which was about three months and i remember one of the best memories uh in my books was traveling from maharashtra all the way to new delhi but we can't take a flight you can't fly you have to find every single way walking rickshaw train sleeper bus public bus everything you name it we took every transportation and just went on an adventure going up north we went to rajasthan one of the desert states where there's big palaces where kings used to live. Like these gigantic, big, like beautiful palaces. And then you go Gujarat. Gujarat is a place where n there's no non-veg eaters. It's only veg. Wow. Only people eat veg. Uh, and then we go up to New Delhi and you see more of a religious Hinduism and the culture and the people and the food. It was just like... I don't know. I, I It was just a great experience because it wasn't like a tourist. It was really going and exploring and being like an Indiana Jones, kind of like, oh, wow, this is something new I've never seen before, and I want to really learn and embrace it. And after all that, you come back to Oregon. I'm curious why after all these places, because you've been to a handful of places, you come back yeah. here. 
So, so home in is defined differently from everybody. So for me, home is where my mom's at and where my experience grew up with. And so that is a big cornerstone uh, where, why I come back to Oregon. And for some reason, every single time, wherever I've been, Oregon somehow pops up. Look, look, I said, I met one of my colleagues and his basically a stepbrother is in Oregon. When I was in Kazakhstan, I found, I was learning servant leadership, right? So I was learning how to be a better leader, what kind of models that I want to live by and I consider it as a great model as a leader. And servant leader was one of those models and lo and behold, Oregon pops up again, nice. right? It's crazy. And even I think, yeah, well, Uganda. Uganda was based on a collaboration with Oregon State University. There was a connection with Uganda. So the more I learn, the more I keep seeking. Oregon is a very, very special place. Yeah, it is. And the more you discover, the more you look at it, the more you'll see. I'm curious, how can you afford to just travel? I mean, that's everyone's dream. You know, you're living a lot of people's dream right now. Right. So basic answer is work hard. <laughs> um, so... When I was doing my four-year university, I was hungry for scholarships. I applied over 600, not 600, 60. Oh All about this, I'm sorry. Yeah, 60, six zero, yeah. six zero, uh, 60 scholarships. And I said, I just got to do it. Just try, just try, just try. And there's a lot of fundings for, so for Malaysia, Uganda, and India, and also Kazakhstan, fully funded by the university or by Score. the government. So I was finding ways to build me as a human being, character, and finding ways where the school, university, or government that allows them to support uh, in the ventures that I go to. So I literally, I like to taste life. Like for the four years, I, before Gary Vee was talking about tasting life, I was tasting life. I was like, wait, this is... I got to see what's out there. What is NGO? What is social entrepreneurship? What is the model of hospitals in a different country? And the more you go out there and the more you see like, wow, this is not my thing or this is my thing. I wrote it down and kept it. And yeah, so I remember at a time where before I start this self-development business, like this platform that I want to venture into, I wanted to do that right from the beginning when I read Tony Robbins Awaken from the Giant from Within, right? I was like, man, I want to be just like Tony Robbins. I want to be exactly like him. I want to preach. I wanted to give value. I wanted to change people's lives. But at that time, I didn't, I was too scared. I had a limited mindset. I was like, no, I'm not good enough. No, I don't have the skills. No, I'm not at the stage. I'm going to be a doctor. Why should I even think about that? So um, that was a tough time. So Fast forward right now, I am living that dream, what, five years ago that I was talking about, and it's tough. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I'm going to work my ass off to do so. And so for other people who might have that hunger, what's the scholarship applications look like? Like, could it be improved? It seems very bureaucratic for me. Someone who grew up, like, I had a lot of help. I'm very grateful, and I'm trying to pay it back. But someone like you grew up with a single mother who didn't go to college. What was that like, like trying to figure out all the different financial aid and all these different oh, things? Yeah. That must have been chaos, man. Yeah, so there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a cliche saying, but it resonates with me because 
when you really, really look for it, you find people, you find individuals who are willing to help. So number one is seek for help when you really need help. But like ego sometimes pushes you and say, hey, no, you got to do this by yourself because, you know, you, you can do it. But, you know, when, when I said, hey, reach out for a helping hand and people are willing to help, of course, there's going to be no's. But when you find that yes and they're willing to help, it's amazing how fast-tracked I was in just being a scholarship machine. Nice. Because um, my prestigious scholarship advisor, she she took that limiting belief in me. I was like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. This scholarship is like, I can't do it. She's like, no, just do it. Just try it. And I'm thankful that I did all those 60 scholarships and I'm thankful that it has got me opportunities that not a lot of people get. And there's another thing. Uh, I got to learn more about myself. Scholarship asks the hardest questions. Like, who are you? What is your aspiration in life? What is your direction that you want to head towards? What is the impact you want to do on your the world? What's your why? I was like, wow, this is scary. This is like, again, looking myself in the mirror and saying, who are you? And that was tough. I was like, who am I? Really, truly. And I'm on the, I remember sitting on my laptop and just saying, 30 minutes just staring at a blank page. I'm like, man, I just typed in the word, who am I? And 30 minutes, I couldn't think of anything. But I just said, just write out stuff. Don't even think about it being perfect. Just blurt it all out. Spill out all your, like, all your thoughts onto the paper. And yeah, the more you did it, the more refined, like, knowing those words and why I'm convicted, had this conviction of certain things because I wrote it out, said it, did it again for 60 times plus rough drafts, 60 final drafts plus or minus 40 other final, like rough drafts, right? Uh, I remember the Fulbright, Fulbright for the Kazakhstan teaching uh, English teaching assistantship. I had over 12 drafts and Look, coming from a person who grew up with the language first and foremost as Cantonese and then learned English through school, my English and my writing skills is not that great. Like grammatically, it's not there. But I have my ideas. I could speak it out loud, but I just couldn't write it. Do you think in Cantonese or do you think in English? I Because now I've done so much repetition through English that it is my... so. This is how you know which is your primary language. When your internal dialogue is speaking in whatever language, that will be your main emphasis. So, so your for me, internal dialogue at some point in your life switched from Cantonese to English. Yeah. That must have been a trip. And yeah. so now when you talk in Cantonese, are you translating or is it still super fluent? So if, okay, for anybody who wants to learn languages, do not, I repeat, do not do the translation method where like, oh, what? Um, say, how are you? Then say it in the other language. Don't do that. Just like, don't think about the translation. Just try to do it. Try to say it. And that's the best way coming from a person who has learned languages and a person who was growing up with two languages. And now you know five and you're learning a sixth? Yeah, um, hopefully a little bit of a seventh because um, Kazakh is also the local dialect uh, in Kazakhstan. Okay. Um, but yeah, so right now, f like to be confident and I, um, I could be, I could survive and interact is definitely English, Cantonese. So those are the two. Um, and then I have, 
Um, Mandarin, Vietnamese, conversation, I can understand you, but it might take a while to engage back with the conversation. And then I got Spanish learning from high school, so I can I can read some Spanish, talk, survive. And then Russian, because in Kazakhstan... Um, Bordering Russia. Yeah, it borders Russia. Pavlodar, where I was located, it was... I want to say it was about 300 kilometers away from Russia. I might be wrong. Don't don't quote me on that. But I know it was close enough that I could go to the border if I wanted to. Are you going back to the same place? Yeah. So I want to impact the same kids. Um, it's funny when I say kids because they're university <laughs> students. Yeah. And they're roughly my age. Um, but I see them as a family. So I have... I call it my inner circle. Like my English speaking club students. They're... I invested wholeheartedly all my knowledge, all I've got. I gave it all to them. Like whatever I did, whatever I knew, whatever new information, whatever exercises, I gave it to them, all of it. Um, so, but I knew it didn't like, it didn't really stick in terms of venturing them towards taking action. It's great. I give them all the exercises and tools, but the important thing is I, this is why I'm coming back with the same like city is I want to create micro actions or mini projects where they could succeed and accomplish it so that they could have a milestone or a reference that they could say, wow, I did this. It's possible. So it's great and all to have the tools, but at the end of the day, you got to take action to get experience. I like it. Um, so it's funny. I think we have almost polar opposite views on this. Uh, my whole life, like people have tried to force me to speak uh, Spanish and learn these other languages. And my response has always been, you know what, if I could learn a language, I would just want to be even better at English. You know, I want to be actually good at the one language that I know so far. So I'm curious, how has it impacted your life for the better knowing multiple languages? Do you think it's important for, for kids to learn more than one? Yeah. So I see it as a way um, to understand and accept someone else's culture. When you're able to speak in someone else's language, you, you understand the thought process. And this is why, I, I for me, I do it as a comical and just for myself accents. But in reality, on a deeper level, I love accents because it really truly shows me where you're from, what culture you're from, and what was your language, and why do you, you know, have this accent. So, Accent, if people are insecure by their accents, you shouldn't be. You should say, wow, this is me. Uh, this is who I am, and this is how I speak. So in terms of that, you got to look in terms of that lens. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, cool, cool. So uh, aside from being multilingual and scholarships, one of your biggest things that you kind of push, push for is, can I, can I? How do you say it? Yeah. So it's Kanai. Kanai. Um, this is from Tony Robbins, of course. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. It's He basically modified it. The original phrase came from a Japanese uh, word called Kaizen. So Kaizen is basically baby steps improving the foundation of something. So let's say, for example, you're building a car okay so the first prototype might have a lot of bugs but you reflect and learn from those bugs and you build it better next year next year that's why you see 2019 whatever car yeah right so they're always constantly improving but those micro shifts and micro changes become exponential because not a lot of people do that and what micro baby changes are you making right now so 
literally okay well sometimes i like to nosedive <laughs> into it but this i do need baby steps it's this is going towards my passion and actually doing this business to me this is pretty scary it's you know every day like i said it's you have these thoughts imposter syndrome because i dedicated look how many years have i been in school like let's say to be honest in high school and university dedicating science so what, eight years? And, and then now you say, hey, nope, I'm just gonna shift my life and go into entrepreneurship and business. Um, but people think outside that it was a quick decision, but no, it was a gruesome four years of contemplation before I reached to that stage of saying, yeah, I need to do this. Going back, if someone were to go into school for something like you, what would you think would be a good thing to go to major in? Right, so if I were to go back in time and go in freshman year of university, or even senior year of high school, I urge you to know a lot about more about yourself. Personality tests, take all the tests that's out there, Big Five, Strength Quest, um, Life Compass Quiz, um, understanding if you, you know, your weaknesses, your strengths, ask your friends, your parents, your relatives and say, you know, when, when I engage with you, what am I like? Who am I? What, what do you see me? Uh, what are the kind of the faults? Okay, now this, again, not easy because you're opening your vulnerability and you're showing, you know, maybe that's not your good side, your bad side, and all the ugliness, all the goodness in you, right? So sometimes I was afraid when I read Tony Robbins, you know, Awaken the Giant from Within. I was, you know, reading the book and he's like, hey, you have to do this exercise. And I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do this. This is, this is to me, I'll, I'll do it later. Right to do it later. I hate that internal dialogue when you say, oh, "I'll put it aside. I'll do it later." Do it later becomes one day, seven days, one you know, one month, two years, five years. I'm right here, right? So, yeah, I urge you if you if you have the courage or find the amount of tiny courage to f just know yourself because when you go in knowing yourself a little better, you kind of have a refined focus. Right, like a beam, right, a laser beam to know what you're going after. It's hard to learn about yourself, man, and it's really hard to, if you're young, yeah. see that far ahead in the future. Which is why I think education should almost make that a priority. Is like helping people. Like, 19 year olds are getting 40 grand in debt yeah. for some shit that they don't want. You don't want to right. be med school, you know? Right. Um. I mean, going back, would you have undone that though? Like, you probably learned a lot from going taking those classes. Right. So, if I were to tell myself just Dang, any free time, pick up a book that you think would change your life or you think you'll gain information. List off a couple of those books in case there's any time traveling dings out there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely <laughs> Darren Greatly, Brene Brown, uh, The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Definitely pick up that book um, by Farazi, Never Eat Alone, one of the best networking books out there. Um, and definitely... What, what's networking for you, man? How many people would you say you have in your network? So there I've, I've done networking as in just like, Hey, my name is Dang and let's know about you. To me that it has no depth. I would rather, I'm thankful. I read the book, Keith Ferrazzi, like never Eat alone is that you would rather have, if you went to a networking event and you were very succinct and you researched specifically maybe top five people you want to interact with and you build that that is more value than just going out there. Hey, here's my card. This is my name. Dang. 
here's my card, here's my card, here's my card. That, to me, there was no connection. The person will f- probably forget about you because you probably got 20 other cards and there was no values exchanged, right? How can I give you value and how can, you know, I can learn from you or maybe gain mentorships? What do you feel is value? So value is something that you can extract, take it and put it and integrate into your life. So knowledge per se? So it could be knowledge. It could be absorbing through observation of people's habits, right? Through osmosis, um, by interviewing, right? By engaging by questions, picking people's minds. Uh, so there's many different ways to gain value, but value is dependent on the person's perception, right? And so if you're leading by example, what are some, some values that you're trying to instill in other people? Yeah. So definitely, um, a lot of people say this and it's cliche to be obsessed, be hungry for whatever you're trying to achieve. So if you're hungry and obsessed of let's say chess, like you just, like you live, breathe, dream about chess and it just happens in your mind. Just see where that leads you. Just give it three months. Just give it three months. If you're obsessed with chess and hungry for it, see where that leads you and just track it. If you can, if you're able to track and measure it and see the results, you would be astounded by what happens when you're hungry for something. Yeah, no one's ever just born good at something, but I would almost go as far to say investing a lot of time into something like chess might not be the best. Because once you get far enough after like going down a bunch of paths, you realize what you really want to do is you want your time to be spent in a meaningful and fulfilling way. And pretty much the way that everyone finds out, whether they're teachers or doctors or whatever, is by helping other people. So, and yeah, maybe chess, you're learning skills like spatial reasoning and stuff like that, that could help you eventually help people. But I guess my advice would be to find, find a way that you enjoy helping other people and go down that path. And for you, what is that? Right. So let's, let's go now back for a little bit on the chess side. So I understand that it can be very, I guess, selfish per se by being developing your skills but you can also understand let's say you became a grandmaster at chess you're able to coach you're able to teach the next in line the different techniques i've learned good point right so it again if you do whatever you do like dancing just do it in terms of giving back right it doesn't have to be you know something that's very you know big and grandiose just do it in something in terms of your neck so like dancing right performing for a fundraiser doing it for a cause doing it part of a movement right i think we're on the same page there in the sense that obviously before you change your near people in your community and then your country is you obviously have to improve yourself first you know so what are some ways what are some skills that you'd say you've accomplished toward yourself that you're then going to put toward helping your community so it's it's for me it's a lot of trial and error because you sometimes to know yourself, you got to have to experience life to really reflect who you are and see it. Because sometimes when you're thinking about you, you can't become third person observant to kind of see you on an objective scale. So that's why I said it's important to have people that you're close with and you trust to ask for them who you are. Yeah. Because look, when you're in that pigeonhole right you're just reflecting yourself and you're in the moment you might not see it objectively you see it subjectively what do you see as your biggest faults then if you're trying to see yourself in third person my biggest faults is stubbornness in terms when i know well it could be on both sides it depends on how you see it but sometimes stubbornness can be limited you close-minded but stubbornness also means you truly believe in something and you have conviction for it and for me 
sometimes I understand unconsciously and just through experiment and experience that open-mindedness, you just have to be open to see, mm-hmm. right? So in order to receive and under- to understand, imagine you be in this position, say, if you're trying to learn how to, let's say, meditate, and you went to this person who teaches meditation, and you just said, you went in there, yeah, I know everything, it's fine. I don't need to listen to this person. Whatever he's saying is kind of nothing. So will you absorb that information better than a person say, wow, if I just came in here and just be open-minded and just really take in what he says and actually try it and experiment it, what would it happen? That's dangerous because people can take advantage of that though. People can fill your head with propaganda to push their agendas that may not be the best. You also have to have a critical mind with your open-mindedness. Right. So yeah, I also said, right, experiment. See if it really works. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess if it's too expensive, then that's probably not in your vernacular to experiment. Well, I'd almost say that was one of, that'd be one of my criteria is if I'm learning something, if someone stands to gain benefit like, from it, like say I'm learning about a new product or something, but it's right. like, okay, now it costs a hundred bucks. I'm probably not going to believe it, you know? But if someone's saying like, hey, you should just eat more salt because it's healthier, no one's going to make more money off me buying $2 worth of salt. So that's kind of, that's one of the criteria that I'd rather, that I judge new information off of. Right. So having logic and critical reasoning is important. Yeah. Um, And what taught taught you that? Because you, when, when would you say you started living mindfully or consciously? So living mindfully and consciously, it's, it's a, it's art form, I would like to say. And to do that, sometimes for me, I hate when I do this, but it's also a beauty of what I do is that I, I am so curious. I just love to learn different things. I, I've learned BJJ. I've learned judo. I've learned how to play piano, violin. You know, I've just been very thankful to experiment and play in different realms, but that can also be a downfall. There's no depth, right? I can't master a technique. And for that to be mindful is to jot it down, to be mindful, to keep record. And what I love to do, and I want to keep doing this, is to do habit tracking. So, for example, if you have two months, 67 days, or give it yourself just to track the habits that you want to do. Let's say you want to do the no negative thought challenge for 24 hours. Track yourself. How many times do you have any negative thoughts entering? Is it, were you ruminating on it? Were you, you know, developing into a negative loop or how did you disrupt it? So again, it gives you a better understanding when you actively, consciously keeping track. That's a great mindfulness. And other ways is to understand what habits that you do day in, day out, the regular things. So for example, for me, I've, try to implement a morning routine and what the morning routine looks like is a drink water brush my teeth go meditate do some heavy lifting and then get on with the hardest task of the day which is thinking or what is planning for me i'm i'm a visual and vision kind of individual so the nitty-gritty details sometimes it's hard for me because i'm thinking out there but you need to know the process in the system so that's my hardest task planning. I like it. Usually um, I have people pitch their stuff at the end, but we're about halfway through the show roughly if we go now. Um, would you want to pitch what you're about to go do, how people can get a hold of you and help you if they want to be a part of your journey or your message? Right. So currently um, I'm trying to first create a Facebook page, um, just my name, and then having using kind of my platforms like Instagram and 
um, hopefully Snapchat, just to start uh, experimenting on being these platforms and getting used to being on camera. So in this venture, I really truly want to focus on that Facebook page, putting more content such as me kind of writing a script, writing my wisdom and just putting it forth in a piece of paper and then gradually detailing a script of how to create this wisdom into a visual storytelling kind of style. So anybody who is has a knack for cinematography, videography, uh, social photography, media. social media, uh, you know, digital marketing, any of that, it's great to create a group just to sharpen iron with iron, building off of each other's knowledge and helping each other grow just by, you know, learning and growing with each other. I think it's great as a ground and I would love for that to be a community. Yeah, I'll throw uh, his Instagram and his email in the description if anyone is interested and we'll kind of talk more about like, uh, so what are you about to head off and do for the next 10 months? Yeah, so currently starting around September 2nd or 3rd, I'll be in Kazakhstan. So first and foremost, I'll be teaching English uh, over there. And on the side, on my off time, I'll be basically working on this business, creating, you know, planning, scripting out, doing the process, finding people who are on the ground who are able to be my camera people and just to experiment and start learning this from the ground up. I like it. Going back a second, you said uh, you're going to try to create a Facebook page with your name and push your message and stuff like that. Do you ever have the uh, thoughts that that's kind of self-aggrandizing and maybe like who are you to say any of that stuff? And right. what, do you, what do you think about those thoughts? Yeah. So again, I told you there's a lot of those overwhelming anxiety thoughts. Like what would you think people that if you put your name out there, what would you think? Is it, you know, just to promote you and creating you? I think, again, it goes back to intention and your purpose. I don't, I don't, it's up to whoever, you know, depends on the critics, whatever you want to say. But if I know truly deep down what my purpose and my intentions is with my platform, then I don't, and I shouldn't even care what you should say because I know deeply what this platform is for. And if you don't think that this is the right platform, then this is marketing. I would repel the people who, you know, do not believe that this is great and gain the people that believe that this content and wisdom um, resonates with them. Marketing kind of messed up, man. I've been very sick of ads lately because it's just everywhere and you have some experience in the ad world. I think it'd be better if there were, I don't know. It's interesting. I think cookies are a good thing. Very, very an opposite take of most people. Like I think if I could have ads that were more targeted to my exact situation, like I don't need ads for new cars. I don't need ads for fast food. I want ads for better audio equipment, better, you know, tables and or whatever plants, you know, I think ads should be more like if, if you could, if you could spend a hundred bucks to advertise your Facebook page and it only reached people who recently said, became conscious and said, holy cow, I want to reach out and help people, but I don't know how to. And then boom, your Facebook page appears. That would be so much better. You know, I think people hate ads because they see it as a waste of time. Right. So now this day and age and with uh, Google algorithms and Facebook algorithms that they do target people based on what you see, what your interests are. And they target those ads specifically to your taste. So that is the kind beauty. of, I don't know. I've been messing around with it a little bit and it's, it's, it's in its infancy for sure. Um, I'm hoping it heads in some more, more good directions. Like, like for, for example, I've kind of spent a couple bucks trying to advertise this. Um, and it's like, okay, I want people interested in podcasts and Joe Rogan's podcast and people of age 18 to 35 or something along those lines. Um, and really it's just kind of still vague. Like I wish, 
I could be like, all right, anyone who listens to podcasts every day, I want to target those people, you know, but you can't, you just have to do likes. And what they should almost do is like Facebook should have a thing where you go in and you say, okay, I'm interested in podcasts. I'm interested in TV. Like it's like you, you should do it yourself rather than just the things you look up. Yeah. So the, as a marketer, what you have to do is be accessibly understand your ideal customer. So every knack in detail I'm talking about. So that's why in anybody who starts in Facebook ads or Instagram or Snapchat, there is a trial experimental phase where you do have to broadcast yourself out there in general and to basically dial back in succinctly get those people that, like what you said, that resonates that podcast listeners, people who day in, day out, likes your content or Joe Rogan's content. So yeah, it's, it requires some time to build. And something well, like Pixels is a great way to track. I've never heard of Pixels. Yeah, so Pixels you could look into and depending on if you have a website page, seeing who is engaging with your content. Well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if I'm advertising people aged um, 18 to 34, and specifically I advertise by promoting uh, Apple Podcast, obviously the majority of my listeners are going to be listening on Apple Podcast age 18 to 35, and then I keep promoting it to those people. So it's like a weird thing where should I like, you know, like you're almost, obviously it's going to show you that the people you're advertising to are the primary people listening. So here's a here's a ninja trick you can try. Yeah. So you can start your own Facebook account and make you as the ideal co- client. Mm. So literally creating all the interest and putting it all out and make that ideal profile and then look at the advertisement of people that would tr- be targeting you, which means those are the people that you engage with because those advertisement, those were the people that you're looking for mm-hmm. because you said, this is me, then targeting me in this Smart. ideal profile. So. Yeah, I like it. So what are your, what are some of your, so you, earlier I kind of asked like, what are some ways that you've uh, sharpened your own iron and you went off on some tangent and you didn't even answer it, but Wait, like, well. it's like some ways that I know you have, if you've been learning video engineering or video videography and video editing, um, and you've learned a little bit of audio engineering and you've learned some advertisement. What are, what are some of the things that you've learned that have been like, Hey, that's a really useful tool, like self-examination, um, video work and stuff like that. And who's your ideal audience as well. I'm curious about that for your work. Yeah, so in terms of sharpening my iron or sharpening my saw is I'm slowly learning to refine like searching for gold in books in contents that I'm looking at because there's a point in time in the beginning where I just say, hey, I should just finish the book front page to back page. But I said, why should I do that? Why don't I just look specifically what I'm looking for and then just take that? And that kind of helped me speed up the process of finding the thing I want and applying it. And so, again, it's always great for searching, but again, you have to implement and you got to try it. And that's what I'm doing. With all the planning, I still need to do it, right? So it, it to me, it means nothing when you just dream about it and not put an action plan and take the action for it. Because look, everyone can do that. People could just, oh, this is the next best idea. Okay, great. Can you execute it? Yeah. That's the best question. So who's your target audience? Who are you trying to reach with your work? Right. So for me, this is great because if you self-reflect about yourself, you can write in a journal and just jot down those ideas of who, let's say you're reaching yourself, right? Let's say you're reaching my ideal customer is me. Oh yeah. Right. So just knowing who you are and just listing all that out. And that's in a sense, my vernacular of an ideal client looking for me. Just a, di- a different version. It could be a different field, but just having the same values, same kind of mindset as me, 
and the people looking in those different interests that I'm interested in. And so let's take it down the road a little bit. Someone similar to you, similar mindset, but obviously not you, sees one of your videos. What's the goal? Yeah, so definitely reaching out just by email first and just engage. Reaching out to you? Yeah, reach out to me. Just So we have, you know, first email, right? Because that's kind of the only platforms you can reach to me. And then you know, let's set up a Zoom. It's like talking, just in changing ideas and seeing if there's a match and there's a resonance. And let's build this. It doesn't... I. I'm learning also that it doesn't have to be physically present. Like you have to be physically present with me because the beauty and this all could be also bad. The beauty part is that you're able to collaborate with people, you know, on online, basically. Like, let's say if you need an editor, he doesn't physically have to be there, but you just have to create that direction, instructions, and his or her kind of way of processing the editing to do the editing process uh audio right audio editing but so there's some stuff that you truly have to be there like camera you yeah. can't really just you know <laughs> yeah you need a person yeah well it's a strange place to be at the beginning of this journey because yeah. you obviously can't offer people monetary compensation right. you know so you're almost asking people to take a gamble on you saying hey i'll invest countless hours into your work with hopes that i'll eventually like you know i'll eventually pay off or so what what are you what what can you kind of hopefully promise people? Right. So yeah, in the beginning it's, yeah, I hope that whatever vision or what are the values that they hold resonates with me and that hopefully when it does get bigger, that there is a contribution back in seeing that their values. And look, for me, if I'm reaching out and knowing more people and reaching out to more people, I also give you more attention too, as a person who, you know, might need more attention and more, service or attention for your platform or your business or your ventures so it's seeing it as a partnership in the beginning building this working together as a network basically you're building my network and i'm going to build your network so helping each other build so if it you know at the in the beginning if there's no monetary value at least there is relationship values and values of experience and understanding that to me right teaching a person how to fish than to give a person fish is bet to me better i like it so let's take this way down the road you now have a network of 100 people right. what kind of work would you be doing what would it look like now that you have a team right so for me right now i want to create again right creating the script and laying out the wisdom for example let's say fear when you say to, a script do you mean a book not a book, but just laying out what to say, what the ideas, get a general idea of the layout for, let's say, a five-minute video and how to mold the scenes and words together so that it could be a story and tell it in a way that can resonate with people and connect with people. Um, so just spreading that message and just creating value. And also, I personally, this is another thing that I'm dealing with, right? The imposter um, syndrome to basically create workshops. I want to help people on a micro scale. Let's do like a 10 person virtual workshop. Or in person. Yeah, know? or in person. I'm sure there's enough people just in Oregon, especially Eugene, which is the majority of people listening to this and involved in this. Yeah. Um, if they want to get involved in your work, so they could email you and I'll put that in the link. Yeah. Um, but then, so what, like, like, like you keep, you, you almost dance around it, but what would like, what would the work look like? Would you send people off to different countries to document what the life is like for third world countries or? So are you talking about me 
like, or like my so, team or... you, well, okay so so you right now you're limited by the fact that you're pretty much a one-person team right. so you have to shoot the video edit the video publish it market it book things that's a lot of work but if you had enough people that you could be extend your reach and maybe you haven't thought this far what would it like what would the actual like physical output of your team do yeah I, for me i haven't thought too far out there but to first i like to see it adding i like building it like a lego let's just start small and building this foundation so my foundation is i told you it's that kind of short video with storytelling and wisdom and attaching it into a visual platform and you know slowly building that and i think for me i think it's if it's you truly have a team you would like to discuss an idea with the team ah good point right? yeah so it can mold right so i think if you truly want somebody to be part of your vision then you should make them part of your vision mm -hmm. that means including their ideas their vision uh and what they see because look i only have a certain lens in life which is my lens my perspective you might see a, a lens that i think is so amazing that's so much better than me let's go with that idea and add it into that and build it like a lego right so to me it's good to have a schematic but to not always be so stubborn in that fact where there might be something even better that can be incorporated mm -hmm. into it because look let's say you could create a movement uh community all over different countries hey let's start this x movement here shoot a instagram story and we could be part of this collage of videos right so you know different ideas could be engaging and interactive with the audience also and that would help shift the world to be like how how do you view the world now and how do you view that shift to be making a world that's more like what yeah so i i really hope that if i could when i do have this platform people within the platform the audience and people who reach out and build communities with each other because look you have literally distilled yourself into this community who are like-minded people and people are looking at things that are of the same interest and of the same kind of vicinity of your liking. So you've basically found a community. Now you just could interact with this platform and maybe they live in Oregon and you guys are close together and you start building this tiny community, right? It'd be amazing. Look, you can even, let's say if somebody in New Zealand connected with somebody in Oregon, hey, you could visit somebody based on that community. That'd be cool. So right? you're trying to build a network of people that can yeah. all kind of rely and work together yeah. on their own little things. But I'm curious then why you attach your name to it. Do you have, do you think your company would eventually move past your name? Yeah, so for me, I'm I'm a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and for the reason why I want to put my name out there is because if I want to be a keynote speaker and I want to kind of be spreading my knowledge by being engaging with conference and seminars, uh, that you know they could see me like this is me i'm here i would love to preach about and give this value and talk about this information um so it's just you know a name to a face really um and i think people don't realize that even though it's my name to this that there's a lot of behind the scenes but i also want to create this kind of like behind the scenes like these are my people who've been helping me let you know that this is not just me right so actually giving compliments and encouragements and credits to the people who are behind the scenes who are not um camera you know friendly right because look again it's not just me i know it takes a team or a tribe to make something amazing happen so that's 
the reason why I, like I take it. them in. Well, I'm on your team, man. And, uh, well, it's interesting cause then you are also part of everyone else's team, you know? Yeah. Um, so you kind of want to be the face of the team or what, where, what do you see your role being? Yeah. So I just, for me, that's as far as I wanted to take is if people really want to reach out to me and like, let's say doing talks, then they have a, let's say a radar to my antenna kind of idea. Um, and look, if people resonate with me and interact with me, I also get to build this network with other people because I, I think you just, you know, like entertainers, like if you're camera ready and you're ready to be on camera, then it's okay. Right. Um, so that's kind of my take on that. What you bring up is a really interesting thing that I actually want to like get it all kind of said in at least one of these talks. Right. Um, it sounds like what you're trying to create a solution for is the current band-aid that is the epidemic of people anesthetizing themselves, numbing themselves, whether it's through opiates or um, through productivity with things like uh, amphetamines. Um, and that band-aid is caused by the gaping gash that is a lack of community and conversations. That's why I personally, my goal was to make, have good conversations with people in a way that disseminates knowledge that can help people live better lives. People don't really have conversations anymore. They just don't. Maybe with their loved ones, maybe with their family members. People don't really talk with that many people of different backgrounds, of different religious sects and all these things. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. Um, I mean, I started, I made an album, so I learned audio. And then I made a short film, so I learned video. And then I'm like, I'll put it together. I use the uh, can I, the baby steps. I kind of put them all together. And so like, for example, this is what my kind of journey, this is what my thing is. Like it's, a, I, I guess my, what would I call it? My, my mission statement would be just like, I'm, I, this is my piece. This is my one Lego that I'm using to help build a world where people's energy and value is time or is, energy and time is where value is held. And you believe value is held in, you said it earlier, but I forgot. Right. So optimize the human potential and mind, spirit and body. And what does that mean for you? Yeah. So in terms of the mind, it's really understanding the self awareness factor and building the knowledge because there's a lot of knowledge out there, but in a, in a very succinct way, filtered through your strength. So keep learning, keep growing because at the end of the day, even people like Tony Robbins, they're still learning. They're not like, oh, I'm done. I am a master of my art. No, because there's always somebody better out there. There's always new information. And look, this day and age, this technological age, knowledge definitely supersedes the human's capacity to intake all. So there is no excuse to say, yeah, I've learned everything. I have mastered the art. So in the mindset is, the mind part is, again, getting the mindset, the mentality, the values aligned straight enough so that when you are presented a scenario or environment that says, hey, choose these two, you have a filter, right? So you have a lens to just go through and you don't have to worry about the other things because you already have this filter that you think that is the right mindset, the right values in the right way. Physical, right? I you, like it. Right. So for physical health, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be healthy. Well, see, a lot of people stress the hell out, have anxiety, not having the best you know, version of themselves, not eating right, not having the, the mind, the cloudness basically to surround them for basically the creativity. They basically block out the creative because you have this block of anxiety, too much work, and you're not eating right, you're not physically there. Then how can you be your opti optimized self to give as much as you can to people? Yeah. Right. 
in the last part, right? So the spiritual. So for me, spirituality is not religion. It is experience and it's your journey. And through this journey, it is how you make this definition. How are you going to give value to people, right? So that is your spiritual path. And that's how you walk that path. And how I can help you is either giving you exercises and tools, but there's a requirement. You have to seek that you want to change so that you're able to be open-minded to listen, to actually implement and try this exercise and see if it works. You know what you need to do, man? What? You need to write a manifesto. And that has a very big connotation to it because now when you hear a manifesto, it tends to be with people doing fucked up shit. But pretty much all presidents, people trying to make a change in the world, write a manifesto. The world, the thing that they're manifesting because you're trying to get people behind you to support your message. But but like listening to you talk, like I, I like I like what you, you're saying, I like what you're sounding, but there's this little almost emptiness in there where I'm like, he hasn't quite figured it out. You know, like you you have a lot of, foundation found work but it's like what is the the very concrete bottom layer of the exact concrete changes you're trying to make for the world you know because if it gets to the point where it's like if you tomorrow like the whole thing is it'll take years like it'll take like you know it's a journey for you to eventually get a team of people and money and by that time you will have have it grounded but i think the earlier that you can ground your goals and then kind of work on those the more people will get behind you because they're like yeah i do want a bigger sense of community i want to be happier i want to be you know I think I think you should write a book, man. You should you should you should get a a script down on paper because then you could almost give it to people who who reach out to you over email. You could be like, hey, read this, uh, even if it's only ten pages. Read these, and if your visions align with them, I would love you on my team, man. Um, right? Yeah, and I think there's that one thing you said, right? Um, knowing the direction. I think people do have a lens, an idea, but not truly exactly know where life would take yeah. and that's the beauty of not knowing and the beauty of having at least a filter a direction to head towards and you can't i mean obviously no yeah. one can connect the dots forward i think that's yeah. like one of the steve jobs quotes that he yeah. said at a uh, backwards yeah yeah you can only do it backwards but i mean you can try you got it it's it's called uh someone uh, someone that i really like um nelson anyways he said he called it planned happenstance where it's you have to be working toward a goal, even if that goal isn't necessarily what you achieve. Those are the baby steps that you're making. And then along that, you may shift, but at least you've gone some direction. And if your goal is to do good for the world, like you have to have a concrete goal of like, I want to make a documentary, a full length documentary. And even if you get halfway there and you realized, oh, maybe a narrative film or maybe um, just like a bunch of small 20 minute, like, like it seems to right now, like you're trying to make Coney 2012 videos. Do you remember that at all? I remember that. That was a long time ago. That was like 2014. <laughs> well, it was probably 2012. <laughs> no, yeah, no, but no, I, no. From like, there's a. I remember there was a fundraiser for that. Oh really? But it was like Coney 2012, but it was. It was a couple it years still, after. It was still. That was happening. huge. Yeah. That was the biggest thing ever. So, yeah. so clearly, the kind of work that you're trying to do has a way to strongly impact the world. And I think if you refine your skills, you could easily reach a large audience. And I'm curious to see what the repercussions of that would be, the positive repercussions of um, what like exactly like your your Terawode one. You want people to um, support the the women who deal with the childbirth incontinence. Um, but what would it look like? Like you almost need to give like uh, people a reason like, hey, if you buy these beads, the money is going to go here to do this. You know, like people need to know the exacts. But um, so so just to give people a slightly move out, we started meta and we're going to kind of end it meta. 
this is the third conversation that me and Dang have had today, uh, each of them about an hour long. I'm going to release this one today, the 19th, I believe it is. And then I'm going to release the second one we did in four months and the, the first one we did in eight months. And then in about a year from now, I'm going to have you back on my show. And I'm curious to see how your message has changed, what, how your view of the world has changed. And to see, hopefully you've, you've gained a few followers from maybe the people listening to this who reach out to you over email, which, uh, that'll be awesome, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where your journey goes, where, where you take it. Do you have any closing thoughts, things you want people to know about you, your journey or any of this? I think, yeah, it's just very simple things is, uh, if you were to really want to shift some habits, read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a really good book to see things in a micro scale, see how much impact one micro action, staying the consistency that it can impact for the long term. Um, so for me, I sometimes I struggle to say my visions and my goals because I like to keep it within. Because if I say it, then that means you know I have to do it, and it has to. And it, there's repercussions if you don't live up to your words and if you have a standards to your words then it means a lot good point um so yeah it's to so me, you're almost intentionally leaving it vague for now yeah okay i think that was yeah. where i misconnected i was like yeah i was like what is it you know um so yeah, yeah i if you really look diving deep when you actually already stated your vision and your goals already then it already happened in your mind but not in the physical realm of the world right so the motivation is not there anymore because you're like, oh, I've achieved it in your mind, not in physical reality. So the reason why I don't like to give the specifics is because I like to do the actions. And then I could tell you by reflecting of what we did. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. So I like it, man. I like where your mind goes. I like where, where your message is. I was, I'm seriously very happy to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to having you back 10 years from now, even like, I'm sure it'll be your 15th appearance or something, you know, <laughs> Yeah. but that'll be good, man. We'll, uh, we'll keep growing and, and seeing where this journey takes us. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think it's a great moment to kind of just talk and having discussions. Like I said, I love one-on-one -on -one chats and sometimes when you talk enough, some ideas you jot down and it might influence, you know, our ways. Yeah. Sharpening iron with iron, as you'd say. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it, man. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much and uh, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening and sharing and all that goodness. Take care.